0: It is a beautiful day. A wonderful beautiful day except for the dirt in the air. Uh we have that little problem the the sand that's there. Indian is closed again uh in Palm Springs. You can't drive that road because there's they're plowing the sand off of the road. We're going to be in Luke chapter 15 today because we're going to be dealing uh with a Father's Day situation, a Father's Day message. Uh <coughs> And as I read this particular scripture, and this is the prodigal son scripture, uh, and we're going to be focusing on the father, and I've will I've read this over and over again, and uh, when I think about it from a physical standpoint, from a worldly standpoint, uh, what father would do what this father did? And we'll read that, and we'll talk about it. And... It took me a very long time to figure it out. That Jesus really wasn't talking about an earthly father. He's talking about his father. He's talking about our father, who art in heaven. How will it be his name? We're talking about God. We're talking about this is what God is like. And when we tune attain... A, a position, when we want to be like someone, uh, we want to be like him. Uh, and so that's what this is all about. And so as we go through this story together, and I'm going to read the, the scriptures for you, uh, it's a kind of a long passage, but we need to be reminded of what's there so that we can uh, really look at it and see it. Uh, for what it's worth and what God had really, I think, intended for us as he included it in his love letter to me, to you, to us, uh, as we go forward. And so as we pray that God, well, let's just pray right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for our opportunity to be here. We thank you for the opportunity once again to look carefully and closely at your word, perhaps to get another glimpse of who you are, almost to see you face to face, as the scripture says, to understand you, to understand your loving kindness, your loving mercy, your your love. Understand what love really, truly means uh, as we look at you and we look at these examples that you provide for us. Uh, in this wonderful letter that you've given to us. Guide our thinking now. Let us set aside all the things uh, that distract and allow the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit does so very, very well and teach us. And for this, we do give thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 15, prodigal son. and. I want you, now we're going to be looking at this in the context of the New Testament times. I want you to do this in the context of today. Okay? So think in terms of today. This is today. This is, this is last week. Uh, there's, so there's a father and a couple of sons and, and so on last week. See what you could do about translating this into modern day. Chapter 15, uh, beginning in verse 11. And he said, and this is all red letters. So this is Jesus speaking. A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after... The younger son gathered all together, took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his field to feed swine. Verse 16. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father. I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants." And he arose and he came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, And kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this is my son was, this my son was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field and as he came and drew nigh into the house, he heard uh, music and dancing. And when he called to one of the servants and asked what these things meant, And he said unto him, The brother is come, and thy father has killed the fatted calf, because he has received him safe and sound. And he, that's the other son, was hangry and would not go in. Therefore the father came out and entreated him. And he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I do serve you, neither transgressed at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son was come which hath devoured thy living with harlots thou hast killed for him the fatted calf and he the father said unto him son thou art ever with me and all that i have is thine it was meet that we should make merry and be glad for this is thy brother for this thy brother was dead and is alive again was lost and is found So reads the scripture. We go back to the beginning, the first couple of verses, and we find that the son comes and he says, here's what I want you to do, Father. I want you to figure out what it is you're going to leave me when you die. I'm translating for you. Uh, And I want you to give it to me now uh, because I'm tired of, being here, working, slaving myself to the bone, not not enjoying my life at one little wit. I want to get out of here. I want to blow it. I want to blow the scene. I want to get on the back of my Harley and off I want to go and et cetera, et cetera. I'm talking 2000, what year is this? 19, I made it. Okay, so there we are. And so the father, according to the story, assessed his worth and let's just so we have a number uh, i'm worth a hundred thousand dollars i have two sons so therefore each of my sons deserves fifty thousand dollars and so i liquidate to the point that i can give my son that wants to leave town fifty thousand dollars and there it is and he and i give it to him and he goes and then the story goes on and it says that he goes and he does whatever he does He wastes the money. He spends all of the money. And I don't want to spend a whole lot of time about how he spends it uh, because it doesn't really say too much except that he wastes it. Uh, The second son indicates that he might have spent it on harlots, as the Scripture says. But that's what the second son was saying. I've read commentators that say, well, maybe the second son was thinking, gee, I wish I had a couple of bucks to spend on a harlot. Uh, I'm not, but here we don't know that either, do we? So we, we don't want to go there. not going to talk about how he wasted it, but he wasted it. Today's economy, we could say he got into the drug scene and got into cocaine and heroin and, and whatever, and all of a sudden he's on the street and he's stealing in order to take care of his habit and, and so on. That would be today, wouldn't it? That would be wasting it today, and you can waste it in a big hurry today, even $50,000. That is a fleshly definition of free will. I am a father of four children. And if any one of my children came to me and said, I don't know how long you're going to live, but I want mine now. Uh, I would, not quite sure what I would say. But I'm pretty sure that I would not work out my physical assets, divide it into four piles and give a pile uh, to that one child so that they could go and do whatever. Are you with me in that? I mean, do, do you agree with me in that? Uh Would that be your attitude as well as a a parent? See, we're talking about, you know, but would I try to help that child see the error of his ways? Would I perhaps guide them into an area where they might uh, find satisfaction in doing something fruitful? Uh, Of course, I would do that. And I might even spend some money doing it. I mean, you know, but there you are. That's what I would do. Free will. God has provided us with free will. And God giving us that free will gives us, and there it is. God has given us free will to do exactly what this first son, I say first because he was mentioned first, this first son did. That's free will you have the opportunity every single moment of every single day to look at a situation and here's here's the correct path if i can put it that way and here's the wasting path and you can choose which way to go you can take door 1 or door 2 any time any desire whatever if door 2 really looks kind of cute oh look I, it's my favorite color it's you know whatever You can do that. You can do that. And then pay the price. Our first son finds himself feeding swine. And of course, the swine uh, to the Jewish mind, you know, you don't have no self-respecting Jew has anything to do with a pig or a hog or whatever you want to call those cute little Bacon running animals. uh, Nothing to do with them. And he's out there feeding them. He's stealing food from them. If you read that verse with me. Carefully enough. So that's how desperate he is. And then he comes. To a revelation. He says wait a minute. My father's house. If I was just. If I was the feet-washing slave in my father's house, that's the lowest slave on the rung, uh, I'd be fed three squares a day and I'd have a place to sleep. I'll go back and hire on. Hopefully he'll have me. And he goes back and we'll get to that. But that's, that's what we're talking about. That's what this is talking about. But we're talking about a Heavenly Father here. And our Heavenly Father has given us free will. As this Father that is illustrated in this parable, and I do believe it's a parable, not a biography of somebody, uh, this parable is speaking of free will. Just do what you want to do. And the door is always open. No, even today, in this today's economy, we have a, a child that gets that gets wasted in the, the things of the, the world. And I, it's easiest to mention drugs because it's so pervasive today. And it's so difficult to get out of it once you're in it, as I understand it. Uh, and so we have kids that are jumping in and out of rehab and all of those kinds of things. And who pays for the rehab? Usually the parent. Uh, parents pay for the rehab. And so, the, and what is that? That's, that's almost 1st 1 John 1-9, isn't it? That's almost forgiving the child, giving him another chance. And what does the child said as they go into rehab? Oh, I'm done with this. Man, I've hit the bottom. And I, I'm, we know people like that. We might have a kid like that. Uh, but there it is. I mean, I'm not, dreaming of things. It's out there. And then they no sooner come out of rehab and they meet up with an old friend and say, hey, I got a new pill. This one's really pretty good. You want it? Yeah, I haven't had a pill in a long time. And and boom, there we are and we go again. And we go again. Which is what happened to our first person here. And of course, when it's all gone, when you can no longer pay for the pill, when you can no longer... Uh, pay for the round of drinks or you know, whatever it might be. When you can no longer, when you're no longer an active part of that scene, well then, what are you doing? Stealing food from the hogs. Backyard bar, uh, burglary. I guess we today, right? Somebody, I saw it on TV yesterday, day before yesterday, somebody walked up Garage door was open. Somebody walked up somebody's driveway, saw a bicycle, got on it, rode off. And he was caught on on the person's surveillance camera. We got a full shot of him. I mean, if if you knew the guy, oh, hey, that's Charlie. You know, th- th- that's how cl- clear it was. Just pedal that bike right off, and he's gone. And as far as I know, news didn't tell me, but he hasn't been caught. What did he do? What did he steal the bicycle for? Because he wanted a bike? Oh, hey, this is a swin. This is what I've been waiting for. No, no. He's probably there. That's, that's the business he's in. And he sells the bike and, and then the proceeds are used for, you know, whatever. And we don't want to speculate there. But there it is. That's our first son in 2019, right? There it is. And he's at that point. And then he comes back and the father forgives him. The father forgives him and he's overjoyed. Let's have a, let's throw a party. It's almost like the birthday party. You put up the streamer. Happy birthday, whatever your name is. I said Charlie, so I'll use the word Charlie today. Happy birthday, Charlie. Let's have some cake. Fatted calf. Let's have, let's have some prime rib. And if you're not into beef, I'll kill you a salmon. Did they have salmon in Israel? I'm not sure about that. Anyway, you, you got the idea. You know where I'm going with this. And there it is. Now, sometimes when we talk about salvation, and this is about salvation, this is about forgiveness, this is about a relationship with God. That's what this is about. And we tell it, we ask ourselves, whosoever believes will be saved, wages in his death, but the gift of God is eternal life. All who will call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. Thief on the cross. All of that business. Does that mean Hitler could be in heaven? That's the big boogeyman, right? Well, we can pick on Stalin, or we there's a couple, you know, Attila the Hun, if we want to go back in ancient history. And depending on whose side you're on, you could even say Julius Caesar. Uh, Could they be in heaven? Or are they in heaven? And if they are, I don't want to go. But the answer is yes. According to this, yes. And the attitude of the second son, and here again, this is an age, it's just the way he shows up in the story. The attitude of the second son is what? no way in the world he doesn't deserve any of this and the second son is absolutely right he's absolutely correct he doesn't deserve it he blew it all he's didn't put he didn't pull his fair share he didn't do what he was supposed to do you know guilty 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 all all of those guilty things all of them all of them he doesn't deserve This, I do. (laughs) Look at me. Hey, I've been right here. I've been out there. I've been forming the place. I've been working myself to the bone. I, you never threw a party for me for my friend, etc., etc., etc. Well, woe is me. I am righteous. I am as close to being sinless as it's possible. To be sinless. That's me. And you're allowing Hitler into heaven. Give me a break. But you see that. Is God's love. God the father. God loved you. God loves me. God loved us so much. That he was willing to send his son. To die for me. In order that I might be forgiven all of those multitude of sins that the second son is delineating for the father. Hey, he did this and this and this and this, or he didn't do this, 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 and this, and this. And the father says, yes, so what? He's home. And he's asked for forgiveness. What can a loving father do? And isn't that why you're willing to put the kid back in rehab the second time, or the third time, or the tenth time? I don't want to get ridiculous, but but there it is. Do you not love the kid? Do you not love the child? In spite of the number of times that the child has failed you, you love the child, and you do what you can do for the child. That's the picture. That's the picture of the ideal father. The ideal father grants freedom. Grants freedom in our father and our story. Certainly did that. And gave him a big paycheck to do it with. Grants the freedom. But is willing, is not willing to divorce himself from the child doesn't divorce himself from the child. The ideal father treats his children kindly. And here again, now who are we talking about? The only ideal father in the entire world, if I can put it that way, is God the Father. Period. I had three fathers. I had a biological father. I had a stepfather that I just soon not talk about. And I had a stepfather that my wife met uh, when uh, Shirley came into my life. I had absolutely no use for my biological father and I'm not going to talk about family horrors today. They don't make any difference. Just that's the way it was. I don't want to talk about my first stepfather any more than I've just said. Enough said. You got it. You figured it out. There you are. And then I got the third one and he wasn't perfect either. But I'll say this, my third, my second stepfather, the, the, the man whose name I carry, my name is Hubbler because he adopted me along with my uh, brothers and sister, four of us. He married my mother. He loved my mother enough that he was willing to take on for himself the responsibility of providing for a family of four, wife and then the four kids. Feed, clothing, and all of that. And he did that. He did that. Cause he'd go to work and he'd work himself to the bone and come home late at night and with his bottle of seven, uh, Seagram seven, he didn't use the seven up, I think he just used the Seagram seven. He went in his room and, and if you asked him, you know, what kind of a father are you? He says, hey, kids got clothes. I make sure that there's food on the table three times a day. Boom, boom, boom. There it is. And he did. He did. There was no loving support. There was no whatever. There was a time in my life when I did some things that he couldn't accept. And he kicked me out. And I was still a juvenile. I was still underage. And I went to live with my grandmother. I'm telling you more stories and I need to tell you, but he kicked me out. He certainly doesn't fit into our little scenario today, does he? But he is the grandfather that all four of my children know, and they love him to death. He loved my my kids like nobody's business. By that time, he'd kind of cleaned up his life a bit and gave up the Seagram 7. And anyway, so much for that. But no ideal father there either. And I can probably ask, anybody here got an ideal father? Come up and tell me about it. No ideal father's here. The only ideal father is God the Father. God the Father. I'm doing pretty well here. Okay, but an ideal father provides the example. And the example, and we see that example because we see the example in God the Father. God so loved the world. It's all in that verse. I mean, we wear that verse out, can't we? God so loved the world. What did he do? That he was willing to give his only begotten son in order that what? In order that we, you and I, might be forgiven and might be reconciled back to him like our imaginary son in our little story here today. And he provides us the example of being a good father. There's the example of being a good father. Now, so what does that all lead us to? Well, it leads us to what we should do. What's the debt we have to our father? What's the debt that we have to our father? Well, I don't owe my father anything. I mean, I talk about the first two. I've already told you. And uh, the third one, he kicked me out of the house and i never lived in that house after that ever but our father is responsible and let me go back to the biological one now <laughs> hey <laughs> the dna is here i the dna of my biological father is in there somewhere flowing around doing its Terrible misdeeds, whatever, whatever. It's it's there. I'm I'm here because of that biological situation. So I owe him my very life in that way. He never really supported me. He didn't support my mother when they were divorced. Uh, he didn't pay child support. And the three of us, the fourth child hadn't been born yet. Uh, the three of us. Uh, basically lived on what my grandmother was able to earn from Howard Hughes at, at Hughes Aircraft. Uh, we lived with my grandmother for a lot of years. My mother working, and anyway, too much of that. So, but when my father died, he reached out, and interestingly enough, I have a gaggle of half-sisters because my father remarried and da-da-da-da, and had a whole family. And my if you talk to my half-sisters about the fatherhood of this man that is my biological father, he came as close to being an ideal father as anybody's father. And I, I mean, they say it, and I don't think they're lying to me, but I can't believe it. There's nothing that I ever saw. so there that is when he passed away or we were going to go I hadn't seen him in years uh, many years and uh, we were going to go see him and he got sick the day we found <laughs> interestingly enough he got uh, sick the day that we decided we were going to go see him and he passed away uh, uh, my feelings toward him at that time and here I'm telling stories of myself now uh I had really had no desire to go to the funeral and didn't. Uh, But today, and this is some years ago now, uh, today, I'm sorry that I didn't. I'm really sorry that I didn't. He is my biological father. I mean he's that, I mean, he's responsible for my being here. I mean, in a physical sense, you know, in a biological sense, he's responsible for my being here. But if I owe anything as far as what we think in terms of of what we owe fathers, if I owe anything to anybody, I owe it to the father whose name I carry. And this is what I owe my father. When I think in terms of that, I'll have to admit, I think in terms of Stan Hubler. That's my stepfather. I owe my stepfather to be the very best man, the very best father that I could possibly be. I owe him that. We talk about family heritage and birthright and all of that business and researching the name and you know I owe him that. And when we come back to what we're talking about really here when we're talking about God the Father who is our Father who is the ideal Father who is the perfect Father who has given us the perfect gift who has given us eternal life, in order that we might be with him forever. That's what I owe him. I owe him. I owe the Lord Jesus Christ. I owe God the Father, Yahweh, whatever name we want to throw out there. I owe him everything. I owe him the very best life that I can possibly live and give to Him. And when we think about it, and when the world looks at us, and we as Christians, you do some little thing that's, you know, you tell a little lie, or, or you know, you steal an extra packet of sugar, you know, some little non-quant, well, they're no better than we are. You just search the name of God. When I give back the dime that the that the cashier over gave me in my chains, I'm honoring God the Father. When I walk out with the dime, I'm not. Simple. What do I owe the Father? Now the Father we're talking about, of course, is God the Father. And I owe God the Father everything. And not only do I need to live the life that he would have me to live, but I need to be prepared to tell everybody, and I do mean everybody that will listen as many times as they got to hear it, that I have the ideal father. I have the perfect father. And so do you. And you need now to come to realize that, to realize that you have the perfect father. And it's time for you, if we can put it that way, to pay your dues. And you pay your dues by honoring him. That's reciprocating the love. You can never repay him for what he has done for you. Never, ever, ever. At the very, and using our first son in our prodigal son scenario, the first son wasted that money, and that money is probably never going to come back. It's gone. It's, It's, there it is. There's, it's always that. There's always going to be something between first son and second son. It's never going to get clean in that respect. But the very fact that you're willing to come and even begin to try, let me be a slave in your household. Don't give me a room of my own with, with TV and computer and all the devices and, and etc. I don't, no, 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 just, just give me a roof over my head so that I'm not, I'm not catching, you know, not on a, on a sidewalk in LA somewhere. Homeless people. That's all he was asking for when he came back. And that's me. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. I truly, I truly cannot in my physical mind understand how you can possibly forgive me. Can't possibly understand. But I'm going to help you understand right now, because I'm going to teach you a word. And it's a Jewish word, and I want you to learn it. We learned it in Bible study today. Why weren't you in Bible study today? Well, most, Some of you were. You know, nine o'clock is a good hour. You could, you know, I don't bite in there. I mean, we have this little private room. But, and the word, what's the word? Spell it. H-E-S-E-D. Hesed. And what's it mean? Loving kindness. Loving kindness or mercy and mercy. Hesed. It's used over and over again in the book of Ruth and that's the book we're studying so you, my commercial for the day is you're invited to come at nine o'clock and it's not too late for you to start even next week because I've designed the lessons that way. Hesed. But I want you to learn that word. Hesed. So, ooh, I, I got a Jewish word. What does it mean? It means loving kindness. And guess who has hesed? The only being that has pure hesed is God the Father. Because He has bestowed that, like the thief on the cross, on you and on me. And so today when we honor our fathers and I'm I get to pick which one I honor physical now and for they certainly not our, not ideal not perfect but they deserve some recognition they deserve some recognition <clears throat> and whether they be still living or passed passed away like most of us here I think are orphans Except him, not yet, son. That's <laughs> the way it is. Uh, <clears throat> when we divide up, you know, he—he's the fourth son, <laughs> third son. Excuse me, third son. We have a daughter. That's the last. Anyway, we won't even go there. Forget it. Love your father. Show proper respect to your father. Oh, there's a commandment. Ooh, ooh. Honor your father and your mother, the scripture says. Not because they're super neat. Not because they're super good. Not because they're the ideal, the the perfect, you know, the perfect definition of what a father is supposed to be or what a mother is supposed to be. No, no, no. It doesn't say that at all. It says, honor your father and... And your mother, because that's what the Lord would have you to do. And that's what we're doing today. I'm the only father in the room. So I come on, heap it on me. Okay? I'm ready. I'm ready for it. But what well, we have something for the men over on the information table. I have a wonderful, beautiful uh, gift for you Uh Church pin, wonderful, and it still works. I carry three of them so I can pass them out, uh, with the church name on it, and a bookmark with some of the, some of the, quote, almost perfect presidents that we had. There weren't many, but there were a couple that almost, you know, not ideal, not ideal, but God-given, God-given, David, the mighty David, and we, we know all about him, don't we? Anyway, what's who's the ideal father? God the Father. That's who's the ideal father. Who do we honor? We honor God the Father, first of all. And because we honor God the Father, God has asked us, commanded us, fifth commandment, to honor that fleshly father as well. And we do that. And we do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you today for all that you are to us. Let us take this day, whatever we do, hot dogs on the backyard, whatever whatever celebration we're going to do, let us reach out and love one another. And those of us that don't have fathers anymore can reach down the other way and... Give an extra dose of love to those offspring, those children, those grandchildren. And we do this in the love that you have given to us. And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. It's been said that anybody can be a father, any man can be a father, but not all can be dads. So that's just something to think about. In my heart.